We're going to be in Mark uh, again. I don't know how many times I've said that. Uh, that that's just kind of what we do. We're in Mark. Uh, we're still in Mark. We're going to take a break from Mark, actually. Um, we're going to finish up Mark chapter 6 next week. And then uh, on the 10th of November, um, Louis, the, Louis Martinez, who was the um, interim pastor, will be here to preach uh, while I'm gone. And, and Mindy Tweet, our missionary, um, in the Czech Republic will also be here during Sunday school, so you get to hear a report from her then. Um, and then, and then we're going to do a couple of weeks in November in First Timothy six. We're going to be talking about contentment. Uh, it's a good thing as people kind of gear up for what is known uh, in the secular world as the holiday season. Um, and, and so as we kind of gear up for that and think about, oh, we've got a list, we've got to think, get things to buy for other people, and what do people want to get me, and all that kind of stuff. And we come up to the season of Thanksgiving, and I just want us to be a people that are content. And so we're going to just spend two weeks going through First Timothy 6, leading up to Thanksgiving. Um, and then in the month of December, there's going to be four Sundays prior to Christmas, we're going to go through the Old Testament book of Malachi, um, the last book in the Old Testament as we prepare for Christ's coming. And so that's the plan. And then we'll get back into Mark at the beginning of the new year. So, so we'll end with Mark 6 next week. Um, but this week we're going to be in Mark 6, 30 through 44. Before we start reading Scripture though, uh, maybe if I just say even family road trip, you might have a memory that just kind of pops into your mind of a family road trip. Family road trips often yield some really good stories, right? But I'm not going to tell any one of those stories except for a conversation that I heard on multiple family road trips between my mom and my dad. On multiple family road trips, the conversation would go something like this. Phil, that's my dad's name. My mom would say, Phil, do we need to stop for gas? And my dad would say, no, we're good. And my mom would say, you sure? The, the needle's on E. And my dad would say, this is a word that I think my, mo, maybe most dads have this, but my dad uses it frequently. He'd say, aw, just like that, just aw. Um, we can do this, he'd say. We could go another 50 miles on this tank. Right? He didn't want to stop for gas. My mom would say, okay. And dad was almost always right. I only remember running out of gas one time. Uh, and he knew, he knew, oh, we can do this. We got what it takes. And as we come in here this morning, some of you might be looking at the gauges of your life's tank and saying, you know what? I'm feeling a little empty here this morning. I've kind of been, been, been pouring myself out either you know, as a parent, as a grandparent, as an employee, as a church member. I've been pouring myself out and I'm wondering if I have what it takes to get to the end, to do what God has called me to do here this morning. I'm not sure. I'm kind of running on fumes here this morning. Some of you, you know, especially those of you that farm during this time of year, you might feel like that quite frequently, that you're just running on fumes. The tank is just about empty. This morning, we're going to look at an account from Mark that'll be familiar to many of us. It might be familiar because it's one of few accounts that are actually in all four of the Gospels. It might be familiar to us because it's one that is easily taught in children's Sunday school. There's some parts of the Bible that are hard to teach in children's Sunday school, right? But this one is not. And so, it's a very familiar story. But this morning, I think that we'll find that we can actually relate to the disciples quite a bit. In this story, as we look at the demands of life and ministry between parenting, grandparenting, developing friendships, work, family obligations, serving in church ministry in some way, we look at all that and we feel drained 
and ministry can sometimes seem impossible. Or maybe you're not drained, but maybe you just are one of those people like, I'm just not doing much because I just don't think I have what it takes. There's other people that are better than me at a lot of stuff, and I'm just, I'm just not going to serve. But in this passage today, I think God will, like my father would on a road trip, say, oh, we can do it. Let's do this. We'll hear God, I think, saying that to us here. And, and we can trust Him. He'll even tell us exactly how we can go about fulfilling the demands of ministry in this passage. So let's take a look at Mark 6, starting in verse 30. We'll go through verse 44 this morning. And as we usually do, if you're able to, let's stand as we read God's Word. Mark 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all that they had done and taught. And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, Many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five. And uh, two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing, and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. You can be seated. Looking forward to, to walking through this with you this morning. I hope you're also looking forward to being in God's Word for this time. Verse 30 kind of reminds me of what we did here last week. Last week was a different week. We gathered for our worship service, but we're led by our short team, short-term team team to Haiti, right? And we got to hear a report from these short-term missionaries that we had sent out. We got to hear a report of what it was that they did. All that they had done is what they shared with us. And that's what's happening here in verse 30. You see that in verse 30? It says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Remember that a couple of weeks ago, we were in John 6, 7-13, and Jesus had sent the disciples out, calling them apostles, sent out ones, two by two. Remember, He told them not to take very much with them? So they went out, not taking very much with them, to proclaim the message of repentance, to tell people, repent, turn away from your sins. That was the primary thing, and they also cast out demons and healed the sick. And then we got interrupted. We don't know what happened in their trip. They went and did that, and then we didn't know... When they came back, we, we got interrupted by the story of John the Baptist. And that's what we looked at a couple of weeks ago. 
And then we get to verse 30, and it's a conclusion to what happened in verses 7 through 13. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. They're doing a mission team report. They had been on a short-term mission trip, and they're coming back, and they're telling Jesus, here's what happened. Here's what we did. Right? And they're exhausted. You're going to see that a little bit. Um, but, but they were exhausted. The, the demands of ministry, they had been sleeping in other people's homes, right? They weren't, they weren't supposed to bring an extra tunic. Somebody was always going to give them a place to stay. Eating other people's food, staying with people they didn't know. Called to do ministry that they had not done before, right? These guys were tired out. They were exhausted. And so I think many of us can relate to the disciples already. Looking at the demands of ministry in our lives, we can look at it and say, I don't know if I have what it takes. It's relentless. I mean, it's Sunday again. I'm on the calendar again for that. It's Wednesday again. It's, you're a parent. Parenting is ministry. You know that, right? Parenting is ministry. You want to talk about relentless ministry. Um, it, just, it just doesn't stop. It wears you out. Like you just get done doing the laundry and there's more laundry, right? You, you just get done cleaning up a meal and you've got to make the next one. It, it's, just, it's relentless. Kids, you know that. You know that it's a lot of work to take care of kids, and you should thank your mom and dad for that, right? Yeah, you should definitely do that, because they do a lot of work, because they love you very much. And so, we know that ministry is relentless, and we're tired, and what we need, Jesus knows. Jesus knows what it is that we need. In the midst of all this demanding ministry, look at this, I love this. Look at verse 31 and 32. And Jesus said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away into the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Big sigh of relief, right? That was intense. And everywhere we've been, there have been crowds. And now, now, little break. Get on the boat, just be with Jesus, right? They were looking forward to this. This is good. They'd been casting out demons, healing and preaching, and now it's time. Jesus said, you just need to be with me. Let's go get in the boat. Just you guys and me. Let's do this. Ministry is demanding. It wears us out. That's why a lot of times, not every week, but a lot of times on Monday mornings, I spend a couple hours at the coffee attic. Not that, not that I don't need fellowship with the coffee addict. I need fellowship with Jesus. And so I take my Bible and my little journal and I just spend some time there just praying and reading the Word. And I know most of you don't have a job that you can do that in. So thank you for allowing me to have a job that I can do that in. Uh, but, but I know that I need that. Uh, after, after pouring myself out in a week of ministry, I need to be revived in some way. And so, so uh that's what I need. I need to just carve out time to be with Jesus. You know that you need that as well, right? That you need to carve out time to be with Jesus. You might be faithfully serving in ministry in the church, in your family, in your, wherever you're serving in ministry. But you can get so caught up in serving that you forget that you need to just stop and spend some time with Jesus. It's the disciples needed and Jesus knew it. But verse 33 People don't always, Jesus knows that we need rest, but people don't always know that, especially if you're a parent. Your kids don't know that, right? Verse 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Can you imagine the disciples sitting in this boat, like maybe just kind of waking up from a nap? They're getting close to shore. 
Um, some of them still talking to Jesus about what happened on their mission trip. They're just, they're just waiting to like take a break, right? You get to the shore, they're like, Peter, you see that? Is that, is that people, Peter? Is that? Like, yeah, I think, I think that's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole, oh, there's some more running. Look at, the, oh my, that's a lot of people, right? It's ministry time again. You, you know how this feels, right? It's like, oh my, look at all these kids coming to Awana. I don't think, I don't think I'm even awake enough for this, right? I, I, I'm not sure that I'm ready uh, for, for this kind of minute. Like Sunday school, I'm just not feeling ready for it this week. Another elder meeting, seriously? Ever since that new pastor showed up, we're meeting all the time. What's the deal, right? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've got what it takes. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. They just wanted to rest. They wanted a nap. They're thinking, you've got to be joking. Probably one of them's thinking, like, I bet if I just jumped in the water right now, some boat would come and pick me up sometime, right? I, just, I can't do this, right? But look at verse 34. What motivates these guys to continue on in ministry? What should motivate us to continue on in ministry? Verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. This is Jesus. And he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This is good, isn't it? That as Jesus comes, he, being fully human, probably also tired and worn out, sees this large crowd of people that they had just sought to get away from who now followed them. They need a break, right? Jesus sees the crowd and his reaction is not rolling his eyes and wanting to jump out of the boat. His reaction is compassion. This gut level feeling of pity and being moved to love these people. He looks at this group and he says, these people need a shepherd. They're sheep without a shepherd. And sheep without a shepherd are in a dangerous spot, right? They're not going to be fed well. They're going to be in danger of harm. They need to be protected. They need to be fed. So these sheep need a shepherd. And so Jesus, the great shepherd, sees the sheep and he has compassion on them. And that's what motivates Jesus to cause these disciples to keep pressing on in ministry. And that's what ought to cause us to keep pressing on in ministry. As we look at the number of people in Iowa Falls even that are sheep lost without a shepherd. That's why we keep going on. When we're tired and weary, we're drained. We think we've got nothing left. We're already doing three other things, right? We continue to go on because there are sheep without a shepherd. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, moves in our hearts to give us compassion for those sheep. And what does Jesus do with the sheep? Interesting, you know, he could have started a line for healing saying, well, let's, let's have disciples. We just did this, right? You just got back from a trip. You know how to do healing now. You two over there, you two over here, we'll make sure we get everybody healed. Get in a line. But no, the shepherd knows what the people really need. What do they need, it says? Verse 34, at the end of verse 34, it says, and he began to teach them many things. That's what shepherds need. That's what sheep need. Sheep need to be taught. They need to be taught. So, Jesus feeds the sheep. Maybe last week, you know, as you saw the Haiti team come and and share even some pictures that you saw, you were moved maybe with compassion in some way, looking at at children without a home, at, at children without a parent, 
at people without food. That ought to move us to compassion. That, that moves us to do something about that. We need a shepherd. Sheep that don't have a shepherd need a shepherd. Verses 35 and 36. Let's look at those. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Like, hey, Jesus' sermon went too long again. Jesus, it's now late and you're still preaching. Um, And this is a desolate place. So, verse 36, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. That is a logical solution, is it not? We've got 5,000 plus people, maybe 7,000, 8,000, whatever it is, standing here, listening to you preach. And they've been here for a long time, Jesus. Logical solution. I'm glad. Aren't you glad the disciples care about the crowd? They want to see that these people get fed. And the only logical solution to feeding that many people that are in one place is send them out to get something to eat. I've been at a pastor's conference before that was like 5,000 people. They don't, they don't feed you at that conference. They can't handle feeding that many people at one time. They just set you loose to go find a restaurant in town, right? That's what they do. It's hard to feed seven, 8,000 people, especially if they're your crew of 13, right? And so the disciples have a logical solution to the problem. The demanding ministry standing before them, they say, let's have somebody else go do that. But look at verse 37. This is where we get into the second point. Ministry is done by drained and doubtful disciples. Look at verse 37. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat, Jesus says. And you can imagine just kind of like they're kind of looking at each other. Maybe, I mean, they're weary. They're, they're worn out, just kind of smiling, raising their eyebrows a little bit. Like, okay. And they're a little bit smart-alecky. Okay, check this out. Here's what they say to Jesus. Where is it? Okay, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? A little bit smart-alecky. Like, one denarius is about a day's wage. So you do the math on that, six days a week. You take, like in our terms, you take, what I did is I did some math, and I took the, the median income of Iowa Falls, okay? And so 200 days, so did all the math. Anyway, comes out to about $27,000. I'm guessing these guys are just estimating. They're not professional caterers, but they're just looking at the crowd. They're like, eh, probably about 27 grand. Um, you want us to just go, Drop 27 grand, get some bread for everybody. Is that what you want us to do, Jesus? They're looking at the demands of ministry and saying, we can't do this, Jesus. Right? Ministry is way too... Jesus, we can't can't feed that many people. You know what that would cost, Jesus? 27,000 people, $27,000. Right? We just voted on on a budget for 2014 um, last week in our business meeting. We need people to give a lot of money if we want to do what God's called us to do. We can look at that and say, like, you really think we can do that? $27,000 to feed people, Jesus? And verse 38, and Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, uh, five. <laughs> oh, and two fish, Right? you still kind of think they've got like this really doubtful, maybe a little bit smart, like, okay, Jesus, we got all we got. Five of them. Two fish, though, too. Ready? 
Feed them. Let's do it, right? They're really doubtful. They're looking at the demands of ministry and saying, I just don't think we're going to be able to pull this off, Jesus. We're worn out. It's nap time. They interrupted nap time, and now you want us to feed all of them. We don't have what it takes, Jesus. Right? This sound familiar at all? Ministry, what God calls us to, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded. Doesn't that sound like a bit much? Thinking about a hundred million children that they want to give boxes to, doesn't that sound like a bit much? Thinking about the fact that worldwide there are 17.8 million children who have lost both parents. We ought to do something about that. Isn't that, isn't that a little overwhelming? Right, Just thinking about the foster care system in the United States, 400,000 kids in foster care, 100,000 who are in need of somebody to adopt them at this point. We look at all those things and we wonder, that's just, that's just too much. We can't do anything about that, can we? Ministry seems impossible. I'm already drained. Jesus, I'm doing everything I can just to like keep my family afloat. I can't sign up to serve in another way at church. And Jesus looks at us and says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You know, that's a privilege, isn't it? It's a privilege to be called alongside Jesus in ministry. We don't always look at it as a privilege, but it's a privilege. He doesn't need us. He could do that himself, right? But he chooses to use us. We're going to see how he chooses to use the disciples here in a little bit. But most of us, rather than seeing it as a privilege and saying yes, We make up excuses. It's a big commitment. I'm not sure that we can pull this off. We've got so little to give, Jesus. I mean, there's people that can sing better than I can sing. There's people that can teach better than I can teach. There's people that can serve better than I can serve. There's people that know the Bible better than I know the Bible. So you really want me to do this, Jesus? I don't have what it takes. Five loaves, two fish. That's all I got, Jesus. And that's the attitude that many of us have might feel like you don't have anything left to give or that what you can give is just not going to be enough, but we need to read the rest of the story, right? Jesus doesn't look at them. When they say this, kind of being a little smart aleck, he's saying, we can't do anything about this. Jesus doesn't look at them saying, you're right, let's get back in the boat. Go time. That's not it. That's not Jesus' answer. What is Jesus' answer? Verse 39. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. Jesus is preparing a banquet for them. This is alluding to what Moses did with Israel in the Old Testament as he he divided the groups. Anyway, uh, there's a lot of allusions to to the Old Testament in here. We'll get to one of them in a little bit. Five and two fish, they said. He commands them to sit down, sit down in groups. And then verse 41. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he took what they had. And he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and he broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples to set before the people and he divided the two fish among them all. Imagine the amazement of the disciples as they did ministry here. They're kind of just, they're worn out and they're kind of just laughing, thinking we can't do this. Ministry is draining. We're pretty doubtful right now. And they go to Jesus. He gives them some, some bread and they go and they give it to the people. 
They can't carry enough for that many people. So imagine how many trips they have to take back to Jesus, right? They keep going back and forth. Every time they come, there's more bread. They go out, they distribute it, get rid of all their bread, coming back, get more bread. How many, I don't know, do the math on that. How many times it takes for them to go back and forth from, and from Jesus to the people, right? That's ministry, isn't it? That's the way ministry ought to be done. That, that we recognize, I don't have much, Jesus. Five loaves and two fish. Why don't you take that, and what can you do with that, Jesus? And when Jesus does what he does with it, then he calls us. Notice that Jesus didn't just, you know, he could have just miraculously had bread show up in front of the people. But he had the disciples do the work. He takes the bread, he breaks the bread, he gives them the bread, and then he says, go distribute the bread. Right? And many people would say, this is pointing forward to what's going to happen later on in Mark. Where if you look, actually go ahead and look. Look at Mark chapter 14. Let's flip a couple pages to Mark 14, 22. Look what happens. This is Jesus eating the Last Supper with the disciples before the crucifixion. And he says, it says this in verse 22. And as they were eating, he took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body. What Jesus is doing here is giving them a picture. He's really feeding them real physical bread that he really multiplied, but he's also foreshadowing what it is that people really need, and it's not just physical bread. They need Jesus himself, the bread from heaven, come down to give them satisfaction. And verse 42 says this, and they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate. They didn't just get enough to hold them over till they could get home, till the sermon was done, right? They all ate and were satisfied. John 6.35 says this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. This was pointing forward to Jesus' death. The breaking of his body for them, for their satisfaction, right? It was also pointing forward to the the wedding supper of the Lamb that we read about in Revelation 19, where Jesus will again host a great banquet and we will all be satisfied there for good. Verses 43 and 44 say this, And they took up the twelve baskets, full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Notice how many baskets were left over. You've probably noticed this, right? How many? Twelve. How many disciples? Twelve, right? Those that are pouring themselves out in ministry. Those that were kind of doubtful about whether this could be pulled off. Those that are totally drained from ministry. Those that had just done all the work of distributing it to other people. They get to eat now. Twelve baskets left over, right? And isn't that the way it is? That as as God calls us to ministry, as, as we do ministry as the disciples, people who say, I don't know if I have what it takes, but whatever I have, I'll give you. And we go and we give it. We pour ourselves out. And then we again go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm empty. Can you fill me up again? And then He gives us stuff. And we go back out again. Back and forth. That's what ministry looks like, right? And in the end, guess what? You don't go hungry. You don't get, go hungry. You get to experience the joy of ministry yourself. 
I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 9. You can turn there if you want. I memorized this a long time ago before I even was going to become a pastor. I got to do just some other kind of ministry work and, um, and just really enjoyed this passage because it says you're not excluded. Look at 1 Corinthians 9 verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul is pouring himself out and he says, I'm doing it all for the sake of the gospel that I may also share with them in its blessings. And then, verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Listen to verse 27. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul is just saying, I get this too. I get a reward at the end. All these people working so hard at so many other things, working hard at their jobs, working hard at parents, like all these different things that we work so hard at. Paul says, I pour myself out for the gospel but in the end, I get to also receive its blessings. I get to share in its benefits. This is good news for all of us engaged in ministry. Truth is that Jesus feeds us. Jesus feeds us. Sure, we could find food somewhere else, but only Jesus is going to satisfy. I want to just read as we close a little more out of John 6 because I just think it really drives this home. Because I think there's probably some in here this morning who are seeking satisfaction in a bunch of other places. Seeking to be satisfied, in maybe not in bad things, but in, in lesser things. Seeking to be satisfied by some earthly relationship. Seeking to be satisfied just by, by doing your, your role as mom or, or grandma really well. Or being satisfied by your spouse and finding satisfaction in so many other things. But, but, but I think in the end we need to remember what it is that Jesus comes to give. Look at John chapter 6, starting in verse 47. We're going to just go through 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Jesus says, whoever believes has eternal life. You want, you want to know how you're going to be satisfied by Jesus? How you're going to be satisfied forever in His presence? Just by believing, by putting your trust in Jesus. Whoever believes has eternal life. I am, he says in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus came to not just feed people physical bread. They needed that at the time. But Jesus ultimately came to give up Himself, His own body, true spiritual bread, the bread of life, the bread coming from heaven, so that all who eat of it may not die. That though they die, yet shall they live. Got to see, see uh, the Sen family here this morning. Bob and Tammy and see, see Donna here this morning. Last week, got to go to the service for their dad and 
husband and grandpa. Right? And that's a truth that you have to hold on to. We're so, so grateful that He was one who had put His faith and trust in Jesus so that we know that though He dies, yet shall He live. That He has believed on the One, Jesus. The bread of life. And whoever believes has eternal life. We want to have that hope. We want all who are in here to have that hope that comes as you turn from your sin, as you finally come to the end of yourself to say, I've been seeking satisfaction in so many other ways, but Jesus, I know now that I am a sinner and I'm not going to be satisfied in anything else and I'm not going to satisfy you by my trying to be good and showing up at church again. I know I'm only going to satisfy you as I turn from my sin and trust in Jesus. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. If you want to do that today, I want you to talk to me. Have the courage to come and talk to me or somebody before the service is over. Well, after the service is over, maybe it would be better. Jesus is the bread of life and all who eat will be satisfied. So for those of you who are servants of Christ, worn out from ministry, you're drained. You're thinking, I don't have much left. I'm on E and I don't think we're going to make it. I think what I need is a longer nap. That's what I need. Thinking you need a break from the constant demands of ministry, but remember that Jesus had compassion on the crowd. And may that same compassion come and motivate you to do ministry. That we see sheep, lots of sheep, little children and youth and adults who do not have a shepherd who are not being taught the Word of God. And so we will commit ourselves to pouring ourselves out. And as we pour ourselves out and empty our baskets, we keep coming back to Jesus and He keeps filling it up. And at the end, we're going to have some leftovers for us too. We get to share in its blessings. And so as you go out and engage in a week of ministry, however that might look for you, Know that you're right. Ministry is demanding. And I believe you that you are drained and you're doubtful as to whether you can really do any good. I know that. But I know that Jesus can. That He can do it and He will bring satisfaction. We just come to Jesus and we say, Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. Right? That's all I got. A lot of other stuff I wish I had, but I don't have it. And even when we think we have it, it very quickly slides out of our hands. We can't hold on to it. But we can say, Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. And we can bow down and worship Him and say, Jesus, this is all I have. It's You. And You're enough. We believe that.